So I'm going to give you a couple scenarios. I want you to just let these things wash over you and uh, think about them a little bit. It's 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Um, you've woken up. You want, uh, want some eggs for breakfast, but you're out of eggs. So you uh, go to Stater's. And you walk into Stater's, you go and get your uh, carton of eggs, and you walk to the um, 15 items or less check register, and you're walking up, and there's a person right in, there's only one person at this one, there's two people at that one, so you go in the one where there's one person, and the person in front of you is buying the biggest bottle of cheap vodka that they possibly can at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. Second scenario. You're at Walmart, and you're walking through, you're getting your stuff at Walmart. Maybe you're a Walmart shopper. I don't know if you are. I'm not. Kristen is. I'm, I'm not a Walmart person. I used to be a Kmart person. I'm a little sad that they closed, got to be honest. Um, there's a mom by herself with, uh, or there's no other adult with her, but she has four children, all they look to be under the age of five, and these kids are going bananas. They're wanting to pull stuff off of the shelves. They are yelling and screaming. They get toys. They took a ball from the toy aisle, and they're throwing it back and forth across the aisle so that no one can get through. They're messing stuff up. They're leaving shelves trashed. Third scenario, you're pulling off the freeway to come to, uh, to go to Mountain Grove, and you're pulling off at um, the Alabama exit, because you're going to come in the back way, because uh, you're coming from eastbound 10, and you get to that part of the freeway where there's usually folks sitting there with signs, and there's one individual, and you've seen the signs before, and you've seen the folks panhandling before, and this guy simply has the sign, and it says, I'm just going to be honest, the money's for beer. This morning, our text comes from Luke chapter 6. And just for a moment, I want to imagine with you um, if you were at this sermon, because it's a series of teachings that Jesus gives to his followers to begin his ministry. And I want to imagine, because there's literally hundreds of people there, that these hundreds of people were doing some of what we just did. They were thinking about people in and around them, and they were looking at them through certain filters, certain lenses, because in the hundreds of people would have been certain different groups. There would have been Greeks. There would have been Jews. There would have been different types of Jews. What we call Herodian Jews or what we also think about as faithful Jews. You might have even had zealots. You would have certainly had people like tax collectors and people who represented Roman power. And you can imagine that as these hundreds of people gathered in Galilee to listen to the teaching of Jesus, that they were doing some of that evaluative work that we were just doing as we were walking through those scenarios. Oh, I see her. I've seen her before. Oh, he goes out of the house in that? What in the world is that person doing here? This is about Holiness, Jesus is a holy teacher. What are they doing here? 
And what's interesting is that Jesus in this entire teaching from Luke chapter 6 as he begins his ministry confronts so many of those different types of attitudes and how we see other people through certain lenses. It's a challenging series of sermons as we've walked through thinking about how we love our enemies, how we face difficulty and persecution and being ridiculed. And this morning, perhaps one of the most challenging things is be non-judgmental. How many of you have an issue perhaps with being judgmental? By the way, all of you should be putting your hands up again. We all do in our own way. It just depends what lens is putting in front of us, is put in front of us. As we dig into God's word this morning and hear what he has to say to us, let's ask some good questions of God Come and fill us. Come and challenge us. Come and move us. Let's ask him to do that in a time of prayer. Father, be present with us. Challenge our sight as we see those around us. Challenge our heart as we love or not love people around us. Challenge our understanding of who's in and who's out to be about what you do, and who you are. Move us, Lord, to learn this morning from your call to be transformed by the gospel enough that we see the world as you see it and not the way that maybe we've been trained to or tradition has, been, has raised us up to see it. Instead, Lord, may it be through the lens of your grace and your love for the world that you died for so that those who know your grace can spend eternity with you. Help us to see the world that way, with your eyes of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to dig, it's again uh, in Luke chapter 6. This is the third sermon that we're doing in this series of texts. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about loving our enemies. Um, last time uh, we were talking, or two times ago, we were talking about how to handle it when we're critiqued or persecuted or, um, you know, even called evil. Um, and then last week was love your enemies. This week is about judging others. We're going to begin by reading the first verse and the first half of the second verse. It says this there. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, as we start this this particular section of text, again, it's called a pericope, a section of text that we can figure is sort of divided enough that we can preach on it or spend some time focusing on it. In this section of text, it begins with a series of commands. Those commands, it's in the imperative, all right? So imperative is a way of phrasing things so that they're clearly commands. We have four commands there, right? What's the first command? It says, Do not judge. That's a command. It's in the imperative. What's the second command? Do not condemn. Okay? So, do not judge. Do not condemn. Third command is forgive. And the fourth command is give. Okay, so it starts this section of text with four commands that Christ gives to all of his followers. Now, again, you're in this crowd of people. 
And you're in this whole group of people who have probably, probably even walking up, done the work of judging. There may even be people there who have condemned others, even in seeing them there. You have people who would be there in a place, a lack of forgiveness, and a place um, where they are not generous in giving to others. And Jesus, right as he begins his ministry, is confronting all those things and saying, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to follow me, you need to be different than the world around you. And you need to look around at the people that you're, you're here with at my teaching in, in Galilee. You need to look around at this group of people with a different lens. And that command is for us too. And that means that we need to do that not only for each other, friends, which I think for some of you is, is perhaps easy to do. There's not a single person in this room that you look at perhaps through an eyes of judgment, although I would like you to take a moment. Don't, don't be afraid. Just sort of look around, turn behind you, and just sort of ask the question, is there anyone here? Is there anyone here that maybe I would look at a little differently? My guess is you're not going to find somebody. But now go down to Stater's. Go down to Sylvan Park. Watch television this afternoon. Think about the neighbor who you have trouble with. A fence issue. Not like the Elgersmas have ever had that. Or a dog issue. Different things that go on in your community. Are there people that you look at through that lens of judgment, condemnation? That it's difficult to forgive. That's, these commands are a challenge to you. Again, this is how Jesus is beginning his ministry, and this, these commands are not about the outward, um, what's the word I want to use? Outward show of religiosity. Christ is not calling them to do this. It, it, like he's, he's not saying to them, okay, you know, you, you need to look as if you're not judging others. Look as if you're not condemning others. Because that would be a different command. He's saying, no, don't judge others. Which is a different thing because that's a movement of the heart. It's not an outward expression of some religious practice where we're going to say things like, oh, I have no problem with you ever heard this phrase? Those people. Right? And we can put any group of people into those people. I don't have any problem with those people. With, which often when people say words like that, they actually do have a problem with those people. They're just not willing to admit it. No, instead it's, no, you actually don't. You are willing to extend grace and love to all people. And remember why we do this. Because Christ did that for you. This is about whether or not these commands are about whether or not the grace of Jesus Christ has soaked into the heart of his people enough that they can actually live it out. And that's where it gets hard. It gets hard because our minds and our hearts are tuned to that. I'm going to challenge you with that in a couple moments. But first, we're going to continue this next section of text. It's very quick, verse 38. A good measure, pressed down, will be shaken, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. Hear these words. For with the measure you use, 
it will be measured to you. Again, hear that again. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Is anyone convicted by that? How I treat the people around me, how I treat the kids in my classroom is how Christ looks at me. How I treat the people in my workplace or the people on my kids' team or the people in my family, whether or not I am judging or condemning or willing to forgive them, Christ looks at me that way. And it certainly can sound here like this is works righteousness. If we do it God's way, then God loves us more. No, that's not really the case because this is about whether or not his grace extended to us has soaked in enough that we are then willing to live into that sort of love and grace towards others. If we are, then the measure that we have received is the measure we express. It's equal. If not, one of the questions that we have to begin to pose is do we really know God's grace? Well, be tangible about it. If there is an issue in your heart about racism, then I would wonder whether or not you go know God's grace. If there is an issue in your heart about a person in your family who you are unwilling to forgive because of what they have done, I would wonder how much you know the fullness of God's grace. As we hear this text, there's a connection. If we can live into it, then we know God's grace. But if we can't, do we fully and completely know it? I want to test you and see how you're doing on your judgment. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you a series of pictures. I've tried to edit these pictures because it's Family Sunday. I had some pictures before. I was reminded it was Family Sunday. I don't want to freak out kids too much. But I'm going to couple, put a couple pictures on, up here. And we'll just sort of walk them through. And I want to see what your response is to them. Okay. We'll think more about your heart. You don't have to like applaud or anything like that. Just, just what is your first thought? What goes through your brain when each picture is shown? First one. Big week, right? Kobe, Gigi. I hope my expectation is that gives us a little bit of warm fuzzy or at least appreciation. Okay, next picture. How you doing? There's four of them. The only one missing who's alive is George W. Each one of them has had a place. How does each picture impact you? Next picture. Osama bin Laden. World's most hated man for a good decade. Next picture. Colin Kaepernick sort of the center of the kneeling during the national anthem at NFL games controversy. Next picture. I don't know this guy. Found a picture of him. What do you think? You can't see it. That's a swastika right between his eyes with it on either side saying skin head. Next picture. Michael Jackson. Perhaps one of the uh, more interesting celebrities, if you've looked at his life. How do you think about that? What do you think about him? 
Next picture. Nice guy. Anyone know who this is? He's a serial killer. Killed nine people in Toronto about four years ago. Looks like a pretty nice guy. Our judgment is pretty good dude at Niagara Falls. Little did we know. He's killing people, and it was actually focused on race. That's it. How do those pictures impact us in terms of whether or not we judge, whether or not we condemn? How is it that we respond to those sorts of triggers? Now, what's interesting is we could make it even more poignant because each of you have your own personal photo album that we could walk through here. We could show pictures of your mom or your dad or your kids or people in your life, co-workers, people you know, people who've had a personal impact on you, either positive or negative. The, the, really what we're trying to do here, what I'm trying to challenge you with, is that this idea of being judgmental and condemn, condemning others is something that probably in one sh way, shape, or form, we all have a challenge with. Because we all look at the world through certain lenses. And Christ calls us in this text to make sure that our primary lens of looking at the world is his. The grace lens. The love lens. The while they were still sinners, Christ died for them Verse 39 and 40. He told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. Okay, sort of a hard text. What, what, is, what is Christ doing here? Well, here's what he's doing. He's calling his followers to be different than a blind world. That's why he brings up blindness. The world is blind. It sees through the lens of judgment. It sees through the lens of con condemnation. It sees people and does not forgive them because they're not worthy of forgiveness. Does not give unto them in the generosity that Christ called them to. That's the blindness of the world. And Christ is saying to us, you have been given sight through my grace. Can you live into it? Can you go be like me? The student like the teacher, the second half there of that little parable. Can you be like the teacher who has seen the world with eyes of love and grace? And yes, I judge, but you don't know who I'm going to judge. You only know who you think I will judge, but so often you're wrong. Instead, look at the world through the eyes of grace. Be like Jesus. And yeah, that's the command, friends. None of us are like Christ. None of us are capable and have the capacity of Christ's love and grace for the world around us. But that's what he's calling us to. A student be like the teacher. Live into this sort of idea because every person on that list can be a part of the grace of Jesus Christ. 
Even swastika guy with skinhead tattooed can be loved. Even the serial killer, even Osama bin Laden can be loved by God into his grace. Now, I don't know that's the case. In fact, I have my suspicions. But it's certainly possible Because as we read the text over and over and over again, it says, while everyone was still a hater of God, Christ died for them, and that includes you and me and us. Anyone who ever told you that being a Christian was easy sold you a bill of goods. Christ being our teacher, he loved those who hated him to death. He died for the adulterer, the murderer, even the molester, the outlier. And now he calls us to see others with his eyes of love. That's sight against the blindness. This is a hard text. Verse 41 through 45 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick frigs from figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Okay, if you are sinless, stick your hand up. And the funny part is, as people were looking around, like, who's, who, who did it? None of us, right? Which puts us in the category of having a plank in our eye, right? Who is a, I have a plank in my eye person? You all are. All of us are. We all have our own garbage, We all have our own stuff. And thus, if that's the case, for us to look at any of the people in those pictures or anyone else in this room or anyone outside of this room with anything except that is a possible recipient of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And if we look at it with any other lens, we are what? We are not obeying the four commands that we got right at the beginning. Do not judge, do not condemn, forgive, and give. We are living into a measure of love and grace that is awfully small. I don't know about you, but I want that measure to be great. I want God's grace to abound in me and in my life, which means that I need to look at all others as possible recipients of the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, and I will engage in their life with that perspective. It will consume me enough that I can look beyond the skin or the skin color. 
I can look beyond the tattoos. I can look beyond the crazy kids. I can look beyond the bottle of vodka. I can look beyond whatever it is to be able to say that is an image bearer of God created in his image as a possible recipient of the grace of God and I will treat and love and show them grace with the understanding that God is their judge, I'm not. And he simply calls me to be a lover of others. Love others as Christ has loved you. This is challenging, friends. And I want you to be challenged, even today. Here's a couple challenges. How many of you plan on watching the Super Bowl? A bunch of you. You're going to see stuff all day. All afternoon, you're going to see ads on television. You're going to see um, messages communicated. I want you to simply notice when your judgment trigger goes off. Okay? And if you're with somebody at the party who's in this room with you now, then you covenant when you go in there and you're willing to say, yep, I just got triggered. I just got triggered. Because it will happen. It will happen. You will see something today. You will see, um, you will see a commercial that will trigger you. Oh, judgment, something. They may have a message for you that you don't like or you don't appreciate. You will see a person who will come on the screen and do something or say something that will trigger you. And you'd be willing to say, oh, my judgment is triggered. And then in, inwardly, in your own heart, say, God, let me show grace. And then go and do that the rest of the week. If you can live into that for a week, then that's a big measure of God's grace. And in the same way that you've been able to measure it out to the world around you, Christ measures it to you. That's the blessing of living into this particular command of being non-judgmental is the promise that God's grace measure in our life is big and abundant. I told you yesterday where I was. I was there about 9 o'clock. I got a call, that call about 8.30 to go over to Ted's house. And what's interesting about going to Ted's house yesterday is I've been in other contexts before that are similar in the sense of where someone was at in life. I've been in um, homes and hospital rooms with people who are and have been in a very different place than Ted was yesterday. And it's remarkable, the difference. Because I've been with people who at the very end are not surrounded by love. There are people who are surrounded instead by anger, unforgiveness. They're estranged from their families. There's people that they're still upset with. And that last moments, those last moments, that last couple days, for them is a struggle. It's a burden. It's almost like all that stuff is magnified of unforgiveness and, and being judgmental and, and not being able to, to work out things and resolve and show grace and love. All gets magnified into that moment because it's like almost in a sense, God is saying, you're coming to see me soon. How is your heart? And someone is unresolved to that. I've seen that. And I've seen people who... who like, they fight death coming for no other reason that they are, hear these words, 
not ready. How many of you saw Ted in the last month? Who went over there? Quite a few of you. How many of you heard these words? I'm ready. Almost all of us. Why was Ted Gostra ready? Because he saw the world through the lens of Jesus. Not a perfect man. There was a sense of holiness there, but it wasn't a holiness of Ted. It was a holiness of God in Ted. Absolutely. That meant that the last couple days in the Gosford home on the little house on Judson Street, that room was a place of peace. That room was a place of love. And that room was a place of grace. And friends, all of us will someday be in a room like that. How will your last days be? In what has been measured to you, can you measure to the world around you? And when you do, God's grace becomes full. Let's pray together. Give us your lens, Jesus. Equip us with your power, Spirit to see the world as you see us. Father, we need your transformation in our hearts. Move us beyond those things that trigger us to judgment, condemnation. We look at the world around us and see places that we denigrate, put aside, reject, But those sometimes are exactly the places where you call us to be and show your love and your grace. Equip us to that end through the the presence and the power of Jesus. Help us to see our classroom in the week ahead, the students that we are with, the people on the playground. Help us to see with your eyes every single one of them. Help us to see the people in our neighborhoods the people that we drive past every day, the people that we interact with fairly regularly, the people in our workplaces with your eyes. And Lord, may our measure of grace and love, being non-judgmental and not condemning, that that measure might be abundant. And in that, Lord, your grace has transformed us enough to see the world the way you see it. Move in us, Lord. May we be people of love. May we be people of grace because this world so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.